0: I am so excited about all the big dreams and goals you plan on tackling this year. And you know I'm your biggest cheerleader for success. So I want you to join me in my free webinar, How to Get Promoted in 2023. In this free webinar, I'm gonna cover how to build your resume, prep for that big interview, and even how to give that killer presentation. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, Then go to leadershipontherocks.com slash promotion to sign up for my free how to get promoted in 2023 webinar. Again, that's leadershipontherocks.com slash promotion. Here's the truth about having a legalistic mindset. It has people only seeing the broken rules and keeps them in a constant state of comparison to the golden ruler. And being in a constant state of disappointment eventually leads people to say, screw it. It's impossible to do, so why even try? This is the Leadership on the Rocks podcast, where we equip and empower leaders like you to thrive in and create harmony between your professional and personal lives. I'm your host, Bethany Reese. And in today's episode, I'm going to share six lessons that I've learned that will help you not only be more present in your life and leadership, but more successful too. Well, it's mid-January. How's everybody doing with your new year resolutions and goals? Is everybody still eating healthy and working out? (laughs) You know, for this episode, I want to stay in the posture of going slow now so we can go faster later. Like I mentioned in episode 31, going slow and reflecting through the acronym of START is a better way to set and reach your SMART goals. Now, in case you haven't heard uh, episode 31, listen to the acronym START. START stands for S, symptoms, identifying the symptoms you're feeling. T for true aim, deciding what you really want. A for assess, what's the root cause for the symptoms? And the R, it's really a rolling R, which stands for remove, retain, and resolve, which is how you should build a strategy to move forward. And the T stands for tackle, how to get ready mentally and physically to tackle that goal. Now, again, staying in the posture of reflection and going slow, I want us to think about what it means to have success in our life as a whole and not just in our careers or our weight goals. Our lives are made up of so much more than our jobs, our titles, our paychecks, and the number on the scale. As I say every week in this podcast, Leadership on the Rocks is about you thriving in and creating harmony between your professional and personal lives. In other words, I want you to grow as leaders in every aspect of your life so that you can experience harmony, peace, joy and yes, success. So for this episode, I want you to imagine for a moment that you're at the end of your life. Now, not to be morbid here, but to gain perspective on what makes up your life holistically. So as you listen, be sure to put yourself in an environment where there's reduced noise and chaos. And if you're like me and the noise and chaos is really in your own head, Then just pause the episode for a second, take in a few deep breaths, say a prayer in order to relax your mind and your body so you can be fully present in this episode as you reflect on your life as a whole. Now, (laughs) don't let me pull the wool over your eyes here. I'm fixing to share advice with you as I would a good friend. Advice that I'm also working to internalize and live out. Y'all, I don't have it all figured out. Because my own life and leadership isn't perfect, and that's, perfection isn't possible. If you hear me say one thing, listen to that. Perfection isn't possible. But having gone through now a few seasons of life, it's important, and I feel really called to share the lessons that I've learned so far. So take this episode's content and just chew on it. Let it marinate in your heart, mind, and your soul, and see where the advice takes you. Let me just go ahead and state the obvious. Time is finite and time goes by fast. Life and leadership is such a fast paced up and down roller coaster ride that we often just grip our seats with white knuckles, holding on for dear life. And before we know it, decades of our life are behind us. Now, I have long been in search for how to get off that speeding roller coaster not so I can stop the movement forward in my life and those seasons that I look forward to, but it's so I can be more fully present in the moment. I don't want to miss it. To experience joy and harmony in each relationship that I have with my husband, my kids, my friends, and yes, the people I work with, and to enjoy each situation I experience and to learn the lessons from them. Now, as I travel on my own journey of Being fully present in my life and those that I encounter, so far I've had at least, well I've had tons, but I'm just going to share today at least six very humbling lessons that I've learned that are opening my eyes, ears, heart, and hands to being present in the moment, to serving others, and yes, to having harmony, peace, joy, and success in my personal life, And leadership. So, I have six lessons that I've learned that I want to share with you to help you be more present, more present in the moment, and not just present in your career, but a more present leader in your life. So, here are the six lessons. Lesson one, I've learned to pray first. Lesson two, I've learned to zoom out. Lesson three, I've learned, and this is a big one for me, don't be legalistic. Lesson four, I've learned to develop mantras. Lesson five, I've learned to share without shame. And lesson six, I've learned how to put on the lens of gratitude. Now, internalizing these six lessons have helped me greatly. I just can't even tell you the joy it's brought to my life to see my life in a whole new perspective. But it's also going to help you be intentional in being present and making progress in every area of your life. So now let me break down each lesson that I've learned, and I truly pray that today's message will encourage you in your own journey of life and leadership. The first lesson that I've learned and am still learning every day is to pray first. You know it, just like I know it. We trick ourselves into thinking that we are more powerful than we actually are. We try to pump ourselves up with fancy words, big titles, environments, music for me. And sometimes we even fill our lives with people that pump us up so that we have the self-esteem and the courage to move forward in our own knowledge, strengths, and willpower. But at the end of the day, y'all, our own intelligence and skills have their limits. But God, oh, I love those two words so much. You know, you can say anything about yourself or the situation you're going through, and just insert, but God. And it changes everything about that situation. But God. We have a Heavenly Father that is the creator of this earth and universe and the heavens. With a single breath and word, He created light. And He created living creatures and people. I mean, sit in that for a moment. Our Heavenly Father is all-powerful, and there is nothing, nothing above Him. And while many people believe in God, our heavenly father, we often forfeit our relationship with him. Think about it this way. You know, would you tell your spouse or your parent or your child or even a close friend that you love that, you know, I love you. I just don't have time for you. Would those words come out of your mouth? I don't have time for you. I have all these other things to do. No, of course not. We wouldn't say those things. And we try not to live our lives that way. We try to spend the time with the people that we love. So why is it we rarely go to our Heavenly Father in prayer and one, recognize that His love for us is great and His power and authority over everything and yes, every situation is great. And then two, humbly just ask for His presence, His wisdom, and His guidance to be with us. Y'all, in church this past Sunday, my pastor, John Sherrill, asked, quote, Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Ugh, <laughs> that question wrecked me. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? We have access to the love, safety, and guidance of the creator of this universe and all too often treat time with our Father in prayer as the spare tire to be used only in case of emergencies, Right. Now, you know that when my kids are hurt or when someone is sick or grieving the loss of a loved one, or if I'm thinking about switching jobs, I'm praying, right? But but God, we live most of our days and therefore most of our lives fretting, working, and then fretting some more through each relationship and each situation that we're in. And yet we, or I should say, I rarely go to God in prayer for those things Yes, God cares about every situation you're in, no matter how big or small it is to you. God wants a close relationship with you and he wants to talk to you and he wants you to talk to him about it. See, prayer is where you recognize God's love, power and authority and prayer where you thank him for the good gifts you have. And prayer is where you lift up every person and situation for his divine presence to be with you and to give you wisdom, peace, and understanding. So lesson one of all the lessons I've learned in life and continue to learn every single day in my life and leadership is to go to God in prayer first. Before I start my day, thank him for his good gifts. Before I go to work, recognize that his will and authority is greater than any kind of problem, conflict or constraint that I'm going to face that day. And before I walk into that meeting to pray for my heart to be humbled and his wisdom and spirit to be poured out in that interaction that I'm fixing to have lesson one in life and leadership is to pray first. Okay. Lesson two, (laughs) lesson two that I've learned in life and leadership is to zoom out don't just set goals for your weight or your career. There's so many other parts of your life that need change for the better too. So I've learned to zoom out and think about how I can make progress in all the areas of my life. Now, whoa whoa whoa, before you get all stressed out and anxious on me because I said all areas of your life. Let me let me explain for a second. You know, let me explain how you can zoom out and see the whole of your life really in just six categories. So Paul J. Meyer, he's the founder of the Success Motivation Institute, and he came up with the concept of the wheel of life, the wheel of life that helps us somewhat categorize the various areas of our lives so that we can be more mindful and intentional in them. So let me be honest, y'all, I haven't done a deep dive into his work, but I do use his will of life categories to reflect on and then pray about the various areas of my own life. So in Meyer's Wheel of Life, he categorizes all the people and all the things that we encounter into these categories: Category one, spiritual and ethical, Category two, family and home, Category three, financial and career, category four, mental and educational, category five, physical and health, and then category six, social. And cultural. So you can just Google Wheel of Life and you'll probably see those come up in any of the images that you see. Over the years, I've been catching myself really only setting goals in the areas of physical, health, and financial and career. But but the truth is that every area of my life and your life affects all the others. If you or I are toxic or ill in just one area, it's going to spill over into all the areas of our lives. Y'all, so we have to pay attention to the health of the whole of our being. And I mean, how much more of our life are we ignoring and not making growth in? I mean, seriously, I know people that are crushing it in their career, but their home life is in shambles. I myself, you know, I feel more freedom and purpose in my work more than I ever have, but I've ignored my health. How can I continue to work? if my body breaks down with disease that are easily preventable with just an ounce of stewardship and caring for my health, you know, another example, just look at the divorce rates and it doesn't really take a genius to see that our relationships need growth and improvement too. As a leader, everything about who you are affects the quality of your leadership in every area of your life. So And going back to your relationships, think about your relationships. Don't you want a better relationship with your spouse if you're married or a better relationship with your kids if you have them? And what about your friend groups? Are they places of safety, honesty, and trust? Or are they just people that you have a drink with, talk about nothing much, and then just compete against each other? So spend time zooming out and setting goals for the relationships in your life. And y'all, one of the most impactful sentences I've probably ever read outside of the Bible was written by Patrick Lencioni in his book, The Three Big Questions for a Frantic Family. And you can see that in the show notes, so you can order the book if you're interested. His question is this, why would intelligent, family-oriented people over-invest in their work and fail to manage the most important organization in their lives? meaning our family. Our family is the most important organization we will ever run. Yet most of us take them for granted and we don't lead them well or we don't lead them at all. That's scary. So why? Why do we tend to ignore our family and set goals for our family? Why do we tend to ignore our spiritual side? (laughs) Our spiritual side is the foundation for our identity, who we are and what we believe. And our ethics for how we're gonna make decisions, and our identity pours into everything else we do. So, leaders, hear me out on this. This is a hard lesson I've had to learn. As you focus on setting or achieving your health and career goals, don't ignore all the other areas of your life. So, spend time reflecting on each of the areas in Meyer's Will of Life, and then go back to episode 31 and start off right. Lesson number three that I've learned in life and leadership is don't be legalistic, or as I like to think of it, don't be excessive in following a list. Now, like you, I've set goals for myself, but I intentionally didn't set goals that started January 1st or even January 2nd. And why? Well, two easy reasons. One, I was still on vacation. I'm not going to start or follow through on it. Why set myself up for failure? And then two, I intentionally wanted to go slow through the reflection and planning process of setting my goals. Now, I've been thinking about legalism a lot, and I have really come to understand that I have been chained to a list of inputs in order to get the polished output that I desired. And I've had somewhat of an epiphany. Having a legalistic mindset or being excessively bound to laws and formulas starts first with having a herd mentality. Or following the crowd for no reason other than, hey, everybody else is going that way, I guess I should go too. And then herd mentality then leads to being a conformist or following the standards set by someone else and working towards a goal that's not your own. And by the way, when the goals aren't your own, sure, you can conform and be compliant, but that decreases your motivation and can even make you bitter. So now let me clarify something, what I am and what I'm not talking about. I am not talking about conforming to legal and ethical work practices. (laughs) You should absolutely follow a set standard for legal and ethical work practices. But what I am talking about is the pressure we feel from society. You know, Big Brother telling us lots of lies about who we should or should, shouldn't be or what we should or shouldn't do. And many people conform to those societal expectations through herd or that mob mentality, which then leads to conformity, which then leads to legalism. It can only be done this way. And if you miss a step, you fail. I mean, think about the church and how its established religion has caused so many people to then leave the church because of legalism. So many people conform to what societal pressure says that they should be or they should do And then they set unrealistic expectations for themselves or goals that don't align to their true aim of what they really want out of life. And when your goal isn't deeply personal and it doesn't tug at your heart, then you're not really going to make change. You're not going to make real change. You're doing it for somebody else. And here's the problem with being legalistic it adds so many unreasonable expectations or restrictions that it sets people up for failure. The goal should never be perfection because perfection is impossible. The goal should always be progress over perfection. And here's the truth about having a legalistic mindset. It has people only seeing the broken rules and keeps them in a constant state of comparison to the golden ruler, being y'all, being in a constant state of disappointment eventually leads people to say, screw it, it's impossible to do, so why even try? As a people pleaser, that's what I am, you know, I'm a recovering people pleaser and high achiever and, you know, quasi-perfectionist, I can easily get so caught up in looking for the perfect plan and checking off the boxes of the perfect plan that my motives behind my goal are no longer virtuous or even heartfelt. So lesson three of life and leadership that I've learned and continue to learn is don't be legalistic, don't be excessive in following someone else's list, plan or formula. Make your goals personal and focus on progress over perfection. Now, moving on to lesson four. (laughs) Lesson four is to develop a mantra or a rally cry to keep you moving. A mantra is a phrase that keeps you grounded in why you're doing what you're doing and it helps you move forward. Because the truth is that our mindset or how we think about things affects our experiences. (laughs) So much so that this is a truth you can hang your hat on. The biggest battle you'll ever face in life and in leadership is the one in your own head. (laughs) It's in your head, that's the biggest battle. So as soon as you set that New Year's resolution or you set a goal or you make a declaration, Y'all, temptation, problems, conflicts, and constraints will be attacking you from all sides. Just ask the person working to lose weight. That's me. It's hard. Ask the addict working to stay clean. Ask the hot tempered person working to stay calm or the anxious person working to control their thoughts. Don't be naive in thinking that your journey in life and leadership will be anything other than hard work, (laughs) full of detours and road hazards. But also, y'all, don't lose faith. I absolutely love what Jim Collins says in his book, Good to Great. Quote, you must retain faith that you will prevail in the end. And you must also confront the brutal facts of your current reality. End quote. Now, how often do we try to paint a pretty picture over the brutal facts instead of just accepting them and then having faith that we can do hard things? And we'll not only survive those hard things, but then thrive because of them. So as you go along in your personal journey in your life and leadership, I guarantee (laughs) you're going to face hard things. But don't lose faith. Instead, prepare your mind on how you're going to respond to those hard things. So my lesson in this realm is to, of course, pray first in all things. But I also use mantras or that rally cry to, Carry me through those hard times of temptation, overwhelm, problems, conflicts, and constraints. And you've heard me mention a ton of mantras on this podcast. I love phrases. So, you know, one of the ones I use all the time is, leaders don't react, they respond. Now, it's not because I'm great at responding. Heck no. (laughs) It's so in the moment. I remember not to flip a freaking table like the Incredible Hulk because someone has a lack of morals or didn't do what they said they were going to do. So I say that mantra to help me remember to stay calm and then respond. Mantras remind me of who I am and what I need to do in the hardest of moments. So I do use a lot of scripture. Um, I'm not really that good at memorizing scripture. So some verses I do know, but others, I just remember kind of the whole of the meaning of the verse. And I say that to myself, but I do use a lot of acronyms too. Like you've heard me say, kiss it, keep it simple, stupid, right? When my brain wants to make something complex, I have to stop myself and say, kiss it, keep it simple, stupid. Now, some of my personal go-tos in a time of hardship are like the Bible verse 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. This helps remind me that I can do hard things, which is so needed in leadership. You're going to have that hard conversation. I say this, I can do hard things because God didn't give me a spirit of fear. Now, I also remember Romans 12, 2. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, this this Bible verse settles my brain As I recognize a legalistic mindset creeping up in me, right? I always feel that creeping up in me from the societal pressure to do it all or do it a certain way. No, I'm not going to conform to the pattern of this world. Now, the next two phrases I heard from Craig Groeschel. He's the pastor of Life Church, but he's also a leadership guru. And in the show notes, you can click on the link to his podcast. But I've totally taken these two phrases as my own now. So thank you very much for these. For my personal struggle with my weight, I say... Christ that is in me is stronger than any desire I have. And then I usually follow it up with a portion of scripture that says something like, you know, my God is not my stomach. Now, the second phrase is so stinking catchy. (laughs) I love it. I use it all the time. And my husband tells me this all the time. I have the amazing gift of making things complex. You probably noticed that in some of the podcast episodes where I go a little long in the tooth. So I told you I struggle with perfectionism. I struggle with analysis paralysis. So I tell myself, get mo, get mo, which means good enough to move on. Thank you, Craig Rochelle. So as I work on a presentation or as I'm working on pretty much anything, I stop as soon as I recognize that I'm overanalyzing something. And I say, get mo, is it good enough to move on? If it is, I go. It's good enough to move on. I love that mantra. So lesson four of life and leadership that I've learned is to prepare for the hard times, because you're gonna have them. So develop mantras and memorize scripture and develop those rally cries to help you through the moment, through the challenge, and through the situation. Now, lesson five has been a little hard for me and me to really take in. I'm a private person, I, I don't like Putting everything out there, right? I like thinking about things versus just sharing everything with everybody. Um, And lesson five is to share without shame. You know, boy, oh boy, (laughs) does shame keep us in a silent prison locked away from true freedom? Shame is nothing but a bunch of lies of the enemy that we've believed. You know, lies like, I don't belong here. I'm not good enough. No one will understand my struggle with blank. Now, if you ask for help, people will know that you can't do this job, so don't ask. Or this lie, if you reveal the true chaos that's going on in your home, people are going to judge you. They're not going to like you. You know, all of these are lies, lies, lies. (laughs) And the pandemic has put a huge spotlight on our need for connection and how it ties into our mental health. People need connection. And people need community. But the lies that we believe and the shame that we feel from our own messes, and y'all, we all have a mess (laughs) that we're working through, all that shame that we feel as a result of it, it's keeping us from being vulnerable and from sharing our struggles and hardships with others. It's keeping us in isolation and it's keeping us in a silent prison. So leaders specifically, you deal with so much pressure from the conflicts, the problems, and especially the conflict. I'm going to have to say that one twice. That carries a huge weight. It feels like the weight of the world is on you and you can't carry that alone. You have to have a tribe to share that with. You need a safe place to share without shame. But also I have to mention here, be careful about what you share on social media. You know, sharing in public is not the same as sharing in private with God or with close friends who know and love you. You know, by speaking out all the struggles and hardships that you face, you're essentially releasing their power over your thoughts, emotions, and mental health just by speaking them out loud, speaking them out loud to God in prayer, to a group of trusted friends. You're going to feel that sweet release from shame's bondage and step into freedom. So whatever it is that you're struggling with, addiction to work, addiction to alcohol, pornography, food, Share your struggle with God and close friends without shame and feel the immediate release of the weight and the loving support of those around you to help you through it. You know, for those of you paralyzed by stress and anxiety, share your struggle with God and again, your closest friends and family without shame and feel the immediate relief of the weight and the loving support of those around you to help you through it. For those of you struggling with or Have a loved one who's struggling with mental health. Share your hurts and your thoughts and your struggles without shame. Don't work to hide or numb the pain, but release it by sharing without shame. Don't stay in a prison of silence about your struggles. The door is unlocked. Just walk through it and learn lesson number five of life and leadership and share without shame. Okay, let's turn to lesson six. And again, I want to remind you, I have learned so many lessons the hard way. That's my gift, learning things the hard way. But these are just six that I really want to share with you. Lesson number six of life and leadership is to have the lens of gratitude. Now, you know, I've often caught myself only thinking about the negative interactions or experiences that I've had on a given day. And y'all, that negativity just seeps into my thoughts and my attitude and my behaviors. Focusing on the bad keeps us looking at our day and our circumstances through the lenses of selfishness, self-pity, and victimhood. So while yes, of course, we have to face the brutal facts of whatever situation we're in, we often miss all the good surrounding it. And y'all, there's so much good happening throughout our day. If I, if you, if we... Only learn to see it. So we have to put on the lens of gratitude. You know, this fall, I did a book study on, it's a book called 1000 Gifts by Ann Voskamp. And I'm still working through it and working through writing out 1000 things that I'm thankful for. And y'all talk about a change of heart. (laughs) Taking a posture of gratitude, even in the hardest of times or the hardest of days is changing me from the inside out. It's like I have a new set of glasses to see life through. I'm seeing all these blessings in hard circumstances that I previously have been blinded to. You know, all the things that I've been taking for granted and I never noticed. You know, in lesson one, we talked about praying first and I'm learning to just go to God and thank him for all the things, big and little. Thank you for my warm, fuzzy blanket that I get to cuddle up in as I do my Bible study in the mornings. Thank you for that amazing cup of coffee. Uh, You know, all the little things he cares about it all. You know, for me, I stopped complaining about all those late night events as a high school administrator and instead prayed, Father, thank you for a loving husband that cares for our children while I'm out serving other people's children. You know, the symptoms that I felt as a result of stress, you know, Father, thank you for the warning signs that you're giving me so I don't continue on this same path of unhealthiness that could eventually lead to my demise. You know, and when my kids voice their opinion, and I want to remind you, I pretty much have two teenagers, (laughs) when they voice their opinion that differs from my own, I stop first and say, God, thank you for my child's independent spirit so that we can step into some hard conversations, but great conversations where we both learn and we build our relationship. You know, and speaking of relationships, what about our relationships with others? Learn to see the good in others and give thanks to them. You know, at home, Jason, my husband, thank you for making it safe to share all of my jumbled thoughts. You know, y'all get a tiny tip of the iceberg of the jumbled mess that I think through and that I am. And he gets it all. (laughs) You know, Austin, my son, thank you for being responsible in your decision making. Ashlyn, my daughter, thank you for sharing your day with me in the car on the way home from school. That means so much to me. You know, and at work. Oh, I've been blessed to work with amazing people. You, know, Sarah, thank you for always anticipating what our team needs. And you are a constant stream of encouragement. And Chris, thank you for always listening with such a calm demeanor. You are so good at easing the tensions in the room and making everybody feel safe to share. And Ashley, thank you for always creating a visual to summarize all the jumbled mess that's coming out of my mouth. You summarize it in a beautiful visual, and that's our goal and our important work that we're doing so we can understand it. You know, giving thanks completely adjusts the attitudes of our hearts and our minds. And honestly, it gives us a new prescription of lenses to see the things, people, and circumstances in our life and leadership. So lesson number six of life and leadership is to put on the lens of gratitude. You know, I think the overarching lesson that I'm learning through my life and leadership is humility. (laughs) Life and leadership has a way of just humbling you, you know, of teaching you lessons and often teaching you lessons the hard way. told you I'm gifted in that. Uh, You know, the older I get and the more experiences that I'm starting to live through, the more lessons I'm learning that are humbling my spirit and my leadership. So today I just shared six of the many, many humbling lessons that I've learned the hard way on my own journey. Lesson one, pray first. Lesson two, zoom out. Lesson three, don't be legalistic. Lesson four, develop mantras. Lesson five, share without shame. And lesson six, put on the lens of gratitude. So now my question or challenge really to you is, What lessons are you learning in your life and leadership in your own journey through life and leadership? What are you going through? What are you living out? What hard things have you gone through and what have you learned from them? And are you learning the lesson? Are you applying the lesson to the next situation? And are you applying those lessons and sharing those lessons with other people in your lives, new leaders to support them along their journey? So my prayer for you is this that God pours out his infinite wisdom and opens your eyes to learning not only the lessons that you're living through, but the lessons that others are living through. I pray today's message will encourage you in your own journey of life and leadership. And then until next time, you continue putting in the work of building your life and leadership on the rocks, the essential rocks. God bless. Remember, the most essential rock you can build your life and leadership on is the rock of Jesus Christ. Today's Bible verse comes from Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls.